Hi, welcome back to the third episode of The Murder Library. Yay. <laughs> I'm Megan. I'm Zach. Uh, we don't really have much in way of an introduction this week. I don't have, like, what I did last week with the, like, super immersive intro, because... One, there's not enough to kind of go off of for that kind of thing for this one, because it's very... There's too much unknown. (laughs) Yeah. So, we're just kind of gonna just jump into it this week, because there's just... There's a lot to cover, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and theories, and all this other stuff, so we're just gonna get into it. Alright. I do want to say, again, trigger warning for people, this one has some pretty graphic details um it's kind of gory in a sense yeah so just prepare yourselves and Hmm. get ready and i will warn before i caught before i like go into any of those details um but if you're ready turn down your lights like we have it's practically 10 30 at night we have our lights pretty much off with just a few little string lights and a candle so we're we're set in the mood so join us if you can if you're driving do what you do and let's go all right so for this story we're gonna start in the year 1959 and we are in russia russia um, so this is the height of the Cold War, so just to kind of put your mind where we're at. Yeah. Um, we have a group of ten very, very experienced hikers. Yeah. Uh, they are all from Euro Polytechnical Institute. They're either students or engineers. So, smart, yeah. athletic. Yeah. Complete opposite Very of competent us. people for <laughs> what they're doing yeah yeah um this group was formed for a skiing expedition to go across the ural mountains i don't know if i'm saying that right it's u-r-a-l but i'm pronouncing it ural and we're gonna go with it um that sounds right to me i also want to say that we have a lot of um russian names coming up that i'm gonna have to say and please excuse any bad yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a thing um so each member of this group as i said they're experienced hikers they are what's called a grade two there's at this time there was only three grades yeah and um as soon as they come back from this ski tour kind of thing that they're gonna be doing they would be receiving their grade three so this they're like about to receive the highest level that they can get to they're okay. pretty much this is their like test to get to it um so i'm gonna jump into who these 10 people are so we're gonna start with eager diet love he is a 23 year old male radio engineering student he's kind of the leader of this group yeah he assembled everyone he got them all there um, and we have, there's like three Yuri's. Apparently, it's a very popular name. So we have Yuri Doroshenko. Doroshenko? Yep. 
21-year-old male, also a radio engineering student. Then we have Lidmila Dumanina. She is a 20-year-old female engineering and economics student. Then Yuri Krivonashenko, 23-year-old male, had graduated in 1957 in construction and hydraulics. Wow. These are some pretty impressive people. Yeah. Um, Alexander Kolvatov, 24-year-old male, nuclear physics student. Zinaida Komogorova, 22-year-old female, radio engineering student. Uh, Rustam Slobodin, 23-year-old male, graduated in 1958 with engineering technology. Nikolai Thibobrignol, yep, 23-year-old <laughs> male, graduated in 1958 in civil engineering. I'm sorry, I, I'm doing my best here. Um, Simon Simon Zolotorov. It looks like it wants to be Simon, but like it, it's almost like it also <laughs> wants to be like Simon, but with an E and a Y. <laughs> um, he is a 38 year old male, graduated in 1950. He's the oldest out of all of them graduated in 1950 from the Institute of Physical Education and was an instructor at a local tour base. Yeah. And then lastly, we have Yuri Yudin. He is a 21-year-old male engineering <coughs> student. Excuse me. Um, so the route that they were planning on taking for this trip was designed by the group. Um, and it was supposed to... And it was not supposed to. It was approved by... Zverdlovsk City Route Commission. So they got the stamp of approval. This is great. Yeah. Um, so you learn knowing yep. where they're going. Yep. Go get them. <laughs> um, their goal was to reach Mount Gora Otorten, which is translated roughly from the local Mansi tribe to mean don't go there. <laughs> That's that's quite a warning. Yeah. <laughs> You're literally going to go to a place that is translated to mean don't go there. It's like having just like a bright neon sign, but yeah. just like death. Yep. It There's something else that's also another like funny warning coming up, so. Oh. Very similar like translation, like literal translation. Yeah. Um. But yet they were gonna go anyways. I would not <laughs> no. oh it's called don't go there okay sold yeah <laughs> um so this specific route and in february because that's when they make this trek is late january early february was considered a category three hike so i guess in order to get to category three you have to do a category three hike i guess yeah. which makes sense like you got to prove you can do it so do they have, like, a supervisor that's going with them or anything? That's Or no. is it just, like, this is their tap, they, they have to do this on their own? Yeah, kind of. Plus, they're all, like, very, very experienced. Yeah. And they've, they're, like, literally this hike away from having it. So, yeah. I think, like, they, they were, yeah, they were expected to be, yeah. yeah, they're expected to have a very successful, good go-around. Um, so... January 23rd, 1959, they take a train from Zverdlovsk 
to the city of Sarov. Um, and then on January 24th, they end up in Sarov in the morning, where Krivnoshenko is detained for soliciting and singing out loud. Huh. Seems very uh, aggressive, like, for yeah. just... <laughs> you're literally just singing and you I mean, get it's, detained. It's, it's but Russia It's Russia, there. yeah. yeah. He's then released, and then a drunk accuses them of stealing their vodka. Because, you know, <laughs> Russia. <laughs> it's a very Russian thing. I didn't find much on any of that, but I just thought it was funny that he got... They got accused of stealing vodka in Russia. Um, so it's good alcohol. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> a lot of good memories on vodka. A lot of giggly memories. <laughs> <laughs> so, January 25th, they arrive by train in Ivdel. They take a bus to Vizhay, which is one of the last settlements that's so far north. Yeah. Um, they end up spending the night. They purchased and ate a bunch of bread to help keep up their energy for the start of their trek the next day. Um, Yuri Yudin, he ends up overhearing a conversation between Igor Datlov and someone from the local Mansi tribe. Uh, Igor was apparently being warned about something, but no one knows what. No one actually heard what was being warned about, but he was being warned of something. Mm-hmm. Um, but he took no cares. <laughs> Yeti. Yeti actually comes up in this. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you could be right on the dot. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? Then on, I mean, I believe he's out there. I mean, why not? <laughs> so, January 26th, they take a trek to a logging community called District 41. Sounds like something from Hunger Games, but yeah. I don't know much about it. Um, there wasn't much information on it. So, January 27th, they start to begin their trek. They hire a sled for a 24-kilometer, which is... 15 miles um, to North 2, which is an abandoned mining settlement. On January 28th, Yuri Yudin goes back with the sled due to some poor health. He had sciatica and some like other medical conditions and stuff, so he was like, "Yeah, I can't do this. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> so he ended up... Um, some very rough conditions over there. Yeah, especially in... February, like late oh, yeah. January, early February, in the Mid-winter like winter for there in the like Siberian wilderness. Yeah, like I, t- think, I would never do I this. I think it would be winter over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is. Okay. Snow comes into this, so okay. It's one thousand percent winter. Okay. <laughs> um, he ends up giving some of his stuff to the other members, like some of his clothes. Um some of his stuff and food and everything to um, help them out since he's obviously not going to need yeah. anymore. Um, so now they're a group of nine. They spend the night on the banks of Lozva River that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day during 29th on skis they make their way to Ospia River where they end up spending the night there. Then, January 30th, they stay in that same spot. They just pitch a tent and kind of hang out on the banks. Okay. 
um, January 31st, 1st, 1st, I speak well, January 31st, they tried to ascend the shortest way possible, but they end up back at the Ospia River, so I guess they just were like, nope, not that way, um, so February 1st, they decide to lighten their load, because I, maybe that's why, maybe they like, couldn't, it was too heavy, so they had to like, light and put some 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 stuff down so they make a cache and store the food for the trip back so they just put all their food that they were going to have for coming back and put it in this area set it aside yeah um because obviously they're not going to need it yet cash for later yeah um they end up getting a late start that day and they also end up going 500 meters which is about a third of a mile off of their planned route um because of a snowstorm yeah. They end up covering about two kilometers, which is 1.2 miles, and pitch their tent on the north slope of Kulat Cycle? Sickle? Cycle. It's one of those. It's Mansi for Dead Mountain. Okay. Or I think I've also read Mountain of the Dead or something like that. So you're gonna pitch a tent on the slope of a dead mountain on your way to don't go there. It looks like it might be pronounced cycle. Almost. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very English. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero Russian experience, so your guess is as good as mine. Maybe better. So, setting up camp on the slope of this mountain isn't really a good idea, because there is a chance of an avalanche. Like, yeah. you're setting up on the side of a mountain. doesn't matter where it is. Like, there's still that chance. But um, experts ended up saying that Dead Mountain hasn't really had an avalanche in a really long time. And it's just not prone to them. Um, you didn't end up guessing that they camped there because Dyatlov either, quote, probably didn't want to lose the altitude that they gained... Or he decided to practice camping on a slope, end quote. Yeah. So he probably just was like, I want to see if we can do this and set up camp on that slope instead yeah. of going back down well, to the forest. I think maybe the fluctuation in altitude might be like, take a greater toll Could going up them, and down. Yeah. yeah. Depending on how high they were going. Yeah. Um, plus... It's also, like, way colder in that area as opposed to going down to the mountains, though. Like, it's well, way worse. You would you would want to be up higher, then, because the way that, like, mountains and valleys and stuff... What I read like, was they should have gone back to the forest really? because it was extra cold in that spot. Because mm-hmm. the way that everything was angled, the winds and everything was just... it Like, it was extra cold in that area. Okay. Um... I just know that normally for, like, valleys and stuff, it, like, the cold and stuff collects yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. Um, but at least in the trees, they would have had some protection and yeah. stuff. Plus, even though the mountain's not prone to avalanches, it still could happen. True. But still, we don't know exactly why they decided to do that, but they did. So, it's also important to kind of note here real fast that Datlov had agreed to send a telegram to the sports club. Uh, excuse me, um, when they would end up returning to Vizhai, they expected it to be lo- no later than February 12th. 
um, Dietlov told Yudin before he left that he expected this trip to be longer. Like, he knew it was going to, like, they were going to have delays and stuff that it was going to yeah. be longer than the 12th, which... How, how long was the trip supposed to be again? About three weeks. Okay. hiking trip. That sounds gross. <laughs> yeah. Three weeks in the Siberian wilderness. Yeah. No, thank you. And for normal delays, not murder, probably yeah. four or five. Yeah. Um, depending on the snow. Yeah. Um, so they had... Whoa, I skipped way too far. Um... There, there we are. Okay, sorry. Um, so, they had cameras and journals that everyone was writing in. They even made their own little, like, newspaper on their journey to, like, I guess, pass the time and have a little bit of fun. Yeah. It was called The Evening or Torten. <laughs> and their last headline, you can decide if you want to take it as ominous or fun and lighthearted. Yeah. Their last headline they made was... From now on, we know that the snowmen exist. Uh, mm. Yeti? Are we snowmen? Are they the snowmen? I, well, like one thing that did they like kind of came to mind was like a snowman, like weeping angel, kind of <laughs> just kind of like Doctor Who shit. Yeah, slowly <laughs> creeping in every time they look away. Yeah. See, now I'm just picturing Frosty the Snowman, like, slowly lurking and gating on them. (laughs) When I read it, I had images of, like, the Yeti (coughs) and stuff. Plus, when I, um... Don't eat the yellow snow. (laughs) When I did my research for this, um, I heard this part from the Morbid podcast and, like, just... In my head, I was like, oh, God, this is ominous. This is dark. This is straight up, like, no thank you. Yeah. Um, but then you take it to Frosty the Snowman in my head now. So, <laughs> but we'll take we'll take Frosty for now. It, it'll at least be better for now. Yeah. <laughs> so the 12th of February passes, but again, things happen. So no one was alarmed that they hadn't heard from the group. But then February 20th rolls around and nobody's heard from them. So their families are starting to request search and rescue. So February 21st... 21st? Why do you keep going and go... (laughs) February 21st, search parties made up of volunteer students and teachers from the university. Um, They head out and later they're joined by military and police that come with planes and helicopters. So, February 26th, someone named Slobstuff, yep, finds the tent. Um, it was badly damaged and partially covered in snow, and, like, the scene was just baffling to them. Yeah. Another student named Mikhail Shervin, who helped find the tent, he said, quote, The tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty, and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. The shoes were found lined against one inside wall of the tent. The tent, according to investigators, had been torn open from the inside. So they, like, slashed their way out. As opposed oh, God. to using Yeah, as opposed to using the, um, you know, tent entrances. And it wasn't a tiny gash either. Like, I'll post, um... <coughs> sorry. You're fine. I'll post diagrams that I found of how it was cut and stuff yeah um 
it wasn't a tiny cut either. Like, they, like, sliced their way out of this tent. Good God. Yeah, so... Was something, like, we have, in the tent? No. There's no traces of anything being in the tent. They were trying to get away from something on the outside. Oh. Um, so, the skiers all ran off in kind of different directions, but all towards the mountain, not the mountain, the um, forest. Yeah. They ran off in just their socks, barefoot, or one of them was in just a single shoe. That's weird. Yeah. So they were in such a panic that they didn't even put shoes on, and they're in the Siberian wilderness. And yeah, that's like the dead of frostbite, winter. like almost instantly. Yeah. Um, they also left a working flashlight in the tent. Um, they had one with them, but they left another one. So yeah. you have this group of nine people with one flashlight. Yeah. Um, the tracks could be followed towards the edge of the nearby woods. Uh, that was about one and a half kilometers, which is about a mile northeast. Uh, but the tracks ended up covered up after just 500 meters, which is about a third of a mile. Um, but they could tell they were heading towards the forest, so they just yeah. followed those tracks. So, on the forest edge, they found a large old cedar tree. They found the remains of a fire, and the trees in the um, immediate area had been, like, hacked up and, like, limbs cut off and stuff. Yeah, Signs so they, that, yeah. they were able to, like, scramble and make a little camp yeah, away from whatever. they left whatever. so frantically, but then they, like, stopped to make a camp and, like... They make a fire. They cut up wood. Yeah. Um, Which is smart. They wouldn't have lasted long. Yeah, no. No, they would not have. And as you're going to find out, they did not. So signs of the whole group, or at least several of them, were there trying to build a fire and, like, refuge and, like, cut down wood. They don't know exactly how many of them were in this area by the cedar tree. Um, but they ended up finding the bodies of two of them. They found Krivonoshenko and Doroshenko. They were found shoeless, only in their underwear. The branches of the cedar tree were broken up to five meters up, which is about 16 and a half feet high. Oh, they wow. had frantically climbed up. We know it was frantic because through forensic testing, they found traces of skin embedded into the bark of the tree. Yeah. I've, I've climbed up trees that high. It is not easy to climb up high no. that fast. No. Uh, so they were thinking that they were either looking for something, perhaps camp or something in the sky, or trying to get away from something. Yeah. Um, so we're going to jump into the medical reports on both of these people real quick. So if you're not wanting to hear it, maybe skip ahead a bit because it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of small things. So... Brace yourselves. <laughs> We're going to start with Doroshenko. His complexion was described to be a brownish purple. He was wearing a sleeveless cotton undershirt, short sleeve checkered shirt with all the buttons fastened, shorts, swimming trunks, blue cotton underpants that were badly ripped on the front right side. He was wearing two different wool socks on both seat, on both feet, so he didn't even have the same pair of socks on. Yeah. Pretty much just threw on whatever he could find. Yeah. Both socks on his left... Um, why did I wrote both socks on his left foot? Both socks uh, 
were burned. Oh. Um, no shoes, liver mortis spots, which is where the blood kind of pools inside the body after death. Yeah. Um, were on his on the back of his neck, torso, and extremities, which means that he was moved sometime after death. So he was flipped over because yeah. blood pooled to his back, but he was found on his stomach. Um, he also had moss and pine needles in his hair. His hair was burned on the right side of his head. His ear, nose, and lips were covered with blood. He had a swollen upper lip with a dark red hemorrhage. His right cheek was covered in a gray foam with gray liquid coming from his open mouth. Um, the most apparent at the time of this, like, gray liquid and foam was caused by a, um pulmonary edema which is excess fluid in the lungs which can be caused from high elevation or pneumonia which both are very plausible but the medical examiner also said it could be from immense pressure on his chest uh so we don't know exactly what caused this mysterious foam and liquid um the inner surface of his right shoulder had two abrasions but with no bleeding so they think that was after death um Mm -hmm. right armpit was bruised he had a bruise on his upper right forearm he had swelling and small abrasions on the back of the right hand bruised with some bleeding on the back of his right hand both hands and fingers dark purple all his fingers and toes were severely frostbitten they said if they if he had survived he would have needed all of his fingers and toes amputated oh wow yeah they were that badly frostbitten. Um, the inner surface of his left shoulder, left elbow, and um, left forearm had abrasions. Both shins had bruises. He was found with a small amount of urine in his body, which they were expecting a higher amount because his official cause of death was hypothermia. And I guess in um, hypothermia cases, you have higher urine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said that uh, when he died, his body was still trying to fight off the hypothermia. They think that his injuries and stuff may ha- be from him falling from the tree. Um, but again, in the end, they just rule it hypothermia. Yeah. I mean, that that seems like it could be falling. Yeah. Or it could be yanking down by Yeti. <laughs> yeah. Um, none of his injuries were life-threatening. Yeah. Not like it sounds like a lot and everything, but in the end, like none of it was life threatening. Yeah. And I've I've fallen out of trees that high too, and it's it's rough coming down. But yeah, it's it's mainly yeah. scrapes and bruises. Yeah, which is pretty much all he had. You kind of like uh, pinball machine down. Yeah, especially all the branches and stuff, which it was missing a lot of the branches. So it's possible that that happened. Um, so, Krivnashenko, let me get some water real fast. He was also found under the cedar tree. He was dressed in an undershirt, long sleeve checkered shirt, swimming pants, long underpants, and a torn sock on his left foot. No shoes. He was found face up. He had bruises on his forehead. The right side of his head was injured bruised on his left temporal bone the tip of his nose was missing but there was no traces of blood so it was most likely bitten off by an animal um that makes sense yeah his ears were frostbitten 
portion of the skin from his right hand was found in his mouth. They think that he bit it off to, like, try and get feeling back into his hands when he was up in the tree or to maybe stifle a cry and, like, not make a sound. Yeah. So he, like, literally tore off the back of his hand with his teeth. Good God. Um, the back of his right hand was swollen, which makes sense considering he just bit off his skin. Fingers were brownish purple. The tips of his fingers and his right palm had abrasions and bruising. The middle part of his left hands were bruised. Not bruised, burned. They were burned. Um, skin was missing from the back of his left hand. Left hand. How are these people getting burned? I have no idea. They know how to camp, so I don't know how... I wonder if they were grabbing, like, sticks or whatever as, Maybe. like, torches. Maybe. And, and just fire Grabbing fell. coals and stuff, trying to throw it at whatever. Yeah. Um... Abrasions. He had abrasions on the right side of his chest and ribs. Abrasions on his left wrist. Left hand was also swollen. He had a bruise on his butt. He had three linear cuts on the inner side of his upper thigh. Upper left thigh. Um, he had abrasions on his front left thigh and right femur and tibia. He had a burn on the entire outer surface of his shins, along with some abrasions. Um, patches of skin feeling from the peeling from the back of his left foot. Um, his second toe was also burned, so just his second toe. Huh. He had a large amount of urine in his system, and his cause of death was ruled hypothermia as well. They both froze to death. Their clothes were most likely removed by their friends. Yeah. Um, because they're dead. They're not going to need them when the others need the extra And that would warm. explain why yeah. the others had random tidbits yeah they were fine with other bits of clothes um some people want to try and say that this was that they possibly had um something called paradoxal undressing where they were like so cold that they felt hot and started undressing but they were fairly like investigators and stuff were fairly certain that the clothes were removed after death because some of the clothes were removed by knives um and it was also found on other members of the group so yeah um, I don't think I don't I don't believe the paradoxical undressing theory for that. Um, they were just trying to survive, so they took what they had. They weren't going to need the clothes anymore. The bodies were laid respectfully beside each other, and then um, the clothes divided amongst their group. So that same day, they also found at least they were respectful, even in a time of like panic. Yeah, yeah, like, they were just... That kind of shows kind of how yeah. composed they were probably... Yeah. ...at that point. Yeah. God, I can only imagine what the fuck was going on. Yeah, it's insane to, like, even think about it. And just, wait, it gets worse. So, that same day, they also found the bodies of Kolmogorova and Dyatlov. And then six days later, on March 5th, they found Slobodin... Uh, they were all varying distance from the cedar tree and died in poses suggesting they were trying to return to the tent. Dyatlov was found 300 meters, which is 328 yards, or just over three football fields from the tree. Uh, <coughs> Slobodin was 480 meters away from the tree, and Kolmogorova was 630 meters away from the tree. Um... And they were all, like, 
heading back towards the tent, but they were, like, they died, like, at such varying distances. How far apart? Like, was that the distances, like, away from each other they were? Or away from the... from the tree, so... Was it, like, in, like, a straight line, or, like, were they kind of, like, fanned out? No, straight line. Okay. Yeah. Like, they were in a literal straight line, and I'll post, um... I'll post a diagram of where everybody was found. I... in relations. I think that might be a survival technique. Just to, like, follow the footsteps to try and not get lost. Because I know a lot of animals, wolves, for one example, do that where they follow exact same spot. They step in the exact same spot as the alpha to where it's less resistance, doesn't break stride. That would make sense. Um... And that would, Cause to me, trained, that would explain, yeah. like, why they were kind of like, okay, they just started falling as they were walking, and yeah, that's why. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, yeah. That's, to me, that would explain the varying distances. Yeah. Um, so we're going to jump into their medical reports. So, Dyatlov was found face up with his head towards the tent. Only his hands, which were clenched into fists, folded in front of his chest, were visible from the snow when they found him. Um, his jacket was unbuttoned. His, like, held, fists held up in front of him like he was getting ready to fight something? Like, he was fighting, like... Because I saw all the, um, the pictures of yeah. them when they were found. Um, they're very graphic, but if you want to see them, you can easily find them. But just be warned, they're pretty pretty graphic, and, like, you're going to need to take a minute after seeing them. They're going to have to show me those later. Um, but maybe tomorrow. I don't think you want to. <laughs> I don't think you want to look at it right before we go to bed. Yeah. It, I, I already <laughs> like, am weird about having my feet hang off our bed right now. Because <laughs> like, we're just trying to be comfortable with this one, and, like, I'm skeeved out. My toes are hanging off. Like, I think something's going to jump up and get when, me. When... I was doing this research all week long, like, every time I would get, like, super into it and was, like, writing stuff down or, like, reading an article, anytime there was, like, a sudden noise, like... You've been super fucking jumpy. I've been so jumpy. Knock on the door. Freak the fuck out. Luna steps on a, um... I say, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Luna steps on a, um on her scratch pad and it like thudded and I about jumped out of my skin the other day and it just it it's it's an, an intense story um but yeah so his hands were folded up either like he was like fighting something or like he was like defensive defensive or like shiver I don't know hmm. I don't know I can't like it's hard it's yeah, hard I can, just, I can like, see shivering like. yeah Depending uh, on, like, how far extended they were. Yeah. D- does it say, like, how far out his hands were extended from him? No, but you can kind of see in the pictures, and I, like, I can't remember exactly where they were. I think, I want to say they were out a little bit. Okay. But, like, not, like, too far. Like, they were pretty close to his chest. Um, so I have no idea. But his jacket was unbuttoned. Um, his complexion is described as a bluish-red he had an unbuttoned fur sleeveless vest um, that you didn't recognize as a vest that he gave to Krivonashenko before he left, but now Dad Love was wearing it. Yeah. Um, he was also wearing a blue sweater 
long sleeve red cotton shirt, ski pants over regular pants, no shoes. He had on one cotton sock on his left foot and one wool sock on his right foot. He was also found with a photo of um, Komogorova in his pocket because they were dating. Yeah. So he had his, he had her photo. So his injuries are, he had abrasions on the forehead, upper eyelids, above his left eyebrow, and both of his cheeks, dried blood on his lips, his knees were bruised, but there was no bleeding in the underlying tissue, so it was just kind of superficial. Was these, was this one of the people up in the tree? No. Okay. No. He was walking back to camp. Oh, okay. Um... He, uh, both ankles had abrasions on them with hemorrhaging into the underlying tissue. He had a single incision in his lower right tibia, many small scratches on the lower right forearm and his palm surface. He had purple-gray discoloration on the back of his right hand. The knuckle on his right hand, uh, was bruised like he had been in a fight. Um, and his left hand had bruising and discoloration with some superficial wounds on two of his fingers. And he was also declared, um, his cause of death was hyperthermia. Hmm. So it looked like he had been in a fight. But we don't know who with or how or what. Some looks like something just beat these people. Yeah. To like an inch of death and then just left them. Yeah, pretty much. Um... We're about to get into Komogorova and Slobodin, but, like, the last four people after these two, like, they're a fucking doozy. Oof. So, like, just start mentally preparing. So, Komogorova, she was found face down with her head towards the tent. Uh, the skin on her face and hands was purple-red in color. She had, she was found in two hats, long-sleeve undershirt, sweater, checkered shirt, and a sweater that had a torn cuff on the right sleeve. The sweaters were inside out, which is apparently not unusual for when you're, like, trying to dry clothes by wearing them. Yeah. So it's, like, a wilderness tactic. Yeah, no, that's one thing that I've always seen on, like, the survival TV shows that I used to watch. Yeah. Um, she was also wearing cotton sports pants, trousers, ski pants, and three pairs of socks. Two pairs were very thin, and the third were woolen. Um, She had on no shoes. She had abrasions on the right forehead, upper eyelids, cheekbones, back of both hands, a pale gray spot above her right eyebrow, a scratch on the bridge and tip of her nose, a bruise on the right of her face, a wound with missing skin on the back of her right hand, frostbite on her fingers and a bright red bruise in the lumbar region on the right of her torso it looked they said it looked like it came from a stick of some kind like she had been hit with something oh. um her official cause of death was hyperthermia due to a violent accident oh that's strange yeah but like there's not much to go on so it's like what kind of a violent accident like murder <laughs> The only thing we really have is that she was hit with a stick, possibly. The rest of it is, like, how... Like, we have no idea how she got the rest of them. And we also don't really know how she got hit with a stick, either, I guess. Mm -hmm. So... Just more questions. (laughs) So, 
Slobodin was covered in snow, face down, his head towards the tent. He was found closest to the tent, um, but still not there. He was wearing a long-sleeve undershirt, a plain t-shirt, sweater, two pairs of pants, four pairs of socks, and um, he had on one felt boot on his right foot. He had one small pocket knife, a pencil, pen, comb, a box of matches, and one cotton sock in his pocket. Um, His injuries were hemorrhages on both sides of his forehead, abrasions on the forehead, both sides of his faces as well, Um, two scratches on the forehead, bruising on the upper right eyelid with hemorrhaging into the underlying tissue, blood discharge from the nose, swelling on both sides of the face, bruising on his knuckles on both hands, his left arm and palm, lips were swollen, bruising on his left tibia, skin is torn from his right forearm, and a fracture uh, on on the right side of his skull. No, front side of his skull. So, like, yeah, he had a crack in his skull. Does it say, Um, like, what type of scratches they were on his head? No. I didn't see. Um, They said that the fracture in his skull could be from a blunt object and that he probably suffered loss of coordination from the blow that would speed up his death from hypothermia because he also was ruled dead from hypothermia. Yeah, that would make him a lot slower. Yeah, Um, They don't think any of his injuries were from falling or anything like that or, like, caused by a fall. So, just more questions. Um, the three of them all had liver mortis spots on the tops of their bodies. So, they were obviously moved after death as well. Yeah. Um, so, the remaining four people, it took them more than two months to find them. Yeah. Um, they were found May 5th after the snow started to melt. Uh, a Mansi native with his dog had noticed some cut branches that formed a trail away from the cedar about, um, and then about 50 meters or 54 yards from the tree, from the cedar tree, but also in the opposite direction of the tent. Um, they found cotton sweatpants with the right leg cut off with a knife. They also found cedar branches, a young fir tree missing its top. Uh, the left half of a woman's light brown wool sweater with its right half and the sleeves cut off. They had previously searched this area with probes, but the snow was much, much deeper than they expected, so they didn't find anything. Yeah. Um, they also found a bed of branches with one leg of a pair of black ski pants, a brown sweater, a white jumper, and a pair of brown pants tied at the ankles but flared open to widen them. Uh, they never actually found a knife in this area, but there were signs of, like, things cut down, like the branches. Um, they only ever found a knife sheath, so someone or something had to have taken the knife. Like, they yeah. literally never found a knife. Huh. The only one That's they, really strange. Yeah. The only knife they ever found was that one pocket knife, but that's not enough to, like, hack up trees and stuff. No. Not at all. Um... So, they were found under four meters of snow, which is 13 feet. They were in a ravine, and they were all very close to each other, like they were, like, huddling for warmth. Um, Damn. They had made a den of sorts. They dug out 
from the snow and they like laid it with branches to help keep them warm and if they didn't have their injuries it's very possible they could have survived because it was supposed to be like that den they made was pretty yeah supposed to be pretty pretty good yeah um one of the men was found with a notebook in one hand and a pencil in the other but nothing written on his paper however the whereabouts of this notepad is unknown it was never put into evidence no one else saw it except for the one um the one inspector so what the it's fuck gone. is up with that <sighs> who knows um that's bullshit yeah they the four of them were better dressed and in clothes of everybody else and they all died due to trauma they did not die of hypothermia Oh, so they were... They are fucked up. Like... They were for sure murdered. They had no... Yeah, something happened. Yeah, something happened to them. However, they had no major external wounds. It was as if they died from high levels of pressure. Like... What? Exactly. Like... Like, crushing pressure? Or like... Yeah, because we'll, we'll get into their injuries. Um, doctors compared their injuries to that being a, a car crash. Oh, wow. So, we're going to get into it. So, you know, prepare yourselves. Get get yourself <laughs> ready, because this is going to be a doozy. Um, we're going to start with Dubonina. She was found on her knees at a natural ledge with her face and chest pressed on to a rock with her mouth open. She was wearing a short sleeve shirt, a long sleeve shirt, two sweaters. One of the sweaters belonged to Krivnashenko and was later tested to be radioactive. Pause for effect. How radioactive? I don't know. It was just radioactive. I couldn't okay. find that. This was the this was fifty nine. They were not yeah. <laughs> this fifty nine Russia. So, um, she also had on underwear, long socks, two pants. Um, the outside pair of pants was badly damaged by fire and were ripped. She also, oh, excuse me. She also had on a small hat and two pairs of warm socks, and one foot had another sock on it. So one foot had three socks and one foot with two. Yeah. A last attempt. Um, to warm and preserve her feet, she took off her sweater and cut it into two pieces. One was wrapped around her left foot, the other was left or dropped in the snow. Her injuries. So, soft tissue was missing from around her eyes, eyebrows, nose bridge, and her left cheekbone was partially exposed. Damon- Wait. What? Legs, like, are you saying, like, her face was, like, ripped off? just that it, her skin was missing from her, like her soft tissue like this outer tissue from around her eyes her eyebrows her nose bridge so right through here oh okay so like her left cheekbone goggles was partially, or something maybe but like the skin was just gone yeah i mean i, I can see goggles doing that. i've seen that on like discover and stuff people pulling off like snow glasses and stuff and it's just like skin peeling off because it just fuses. I don't think they had goggles. I've seen photos and I didn't see any hmm. 
goggles, but also I don't I don't know exactly what they had, so maybe. Yeah. Um she had damage to her left temporal bone. Her eye sockets were empty. She was missing her eyes. Oh. Pause for effect. <laughs> um. Uh yeah. Her nose cartilage was broken and flattened. The soft tissue from her upper lip was missing, and her teeth and upper jaw were exposed. Her tongue was gone. Different reports on if it was ripped out while she was alive or not, or if it was eaten or whatnot. Um, Tongue, I can understand for animal-wise. The eyes, I don't know. They think it was possibly ripped out while she was alive. Oh. Because I have it here just a little bit down, but I'll jump into it real fast. Um... They found 100 grams of dark brown mucosal mass in her stomach, which is often misquoted as coagulated blood, which could be an indication that her heart was beating and blood was flowing when her tongue was removed. Fucking hell. Yep. Well, could she have been, like, verge of dying and animals stumble upon her? And I know some predatory animals do like going for the tongue first or... The, the butt maybe first. um because the rest of her injuries maybe um she had four of her ribs on the right side were broken six ribs on her left side were broken and she had a massive hemorrhage in the heart's right atrium and bruising in the middle left thigh um her official cause of death was a hemorrhage in the right atrium of the heart, multiple fractured ribs, and internal bleeding. She died about 10 to 20 minutes after her trauma. Oh, God. And she could have been conscious and alert. Because, like, people after a car crash are sometimes, like, super alert and are, like... Yeah. Attentive and, like, asking questions and stuff. Um, but she died pretty soon after whatever happened to her. Um, I feel like those are going to be my favorite words. Yeah, pretty much. And fuck. Pretty much. <laughs> so, Zolotarov was found with two hats, scarf, shorts, long sleeve shirt, black sweater, coat, underwear, two pairs of pants, and a pair of skiing pants, socks, and leather shoes. It was clear he didn't die from the cold because he was, he just had so much stuff around him. He was also found with a mysterious fifth camera around his neck. So, Yudin said that he had never seen this camera before. Yeah. Um, and they were all very close. And, like, he only knew of four cameras on this trip. And they were all found in the tent. And suddenly there's this mysterious fifth camera. Huh. Um, and Yeah, it seems like on this well-planned of a trip, everyone would pretty much know yeah. the full inventory. Yeah. And, um, Zolotarov had another camera, so this was his, if he had this camera, this was his second camera. Um, so why bring two cameras on this, like, it, it's weird. Plus, um, the melting snow ended up ruining the camera, so there's no footage of it, anything. Damn, that was gonna be my Yep. Um, so we're just left to wonder, like, why did, one, why did he, like, grab this camera to bring when he was fleeing the tent? And, like, why in the first place does it have two that you didn't ever saw? Oh. Um, just another question that will probably never ever be answered. 
Um, I wonder if it could have just been like last minute throws into the bag of like oh maybe just in case something breaks maybe um and it was later determined that it was him who had the notepad and pen in his hand that we don't know what was on or anything seems like he journalistic type too yeah or documentary yeah type they all were like they kept detail like all of these accounts and everything before obviously before all the interviews and stuff were from their diaries and stuff. Like, they kept detailed diaries and stuff, and um, pretty much up until the day before, all of their entries and stuff were very lighthearted and, like, just talking about the weather and, like, goofing off, and everybody was having a good time. Um, So, his injuries. His eyeballs were also missing. He was missing soft tissue around the left eyebrow, leaving bone exposed. He had an open wound on the right side of his skull, also with exposed bone. His ribs were crushed in on the right side to the point where five of his ribs were no longer attached to any other bone. Like, they were just floating. Yeah. So him and Dubonita had similar rib injuries, and they were both similar in the direction and force of, like, how they were hit. I wonder if they're standing, like, in close proximity to each other. Wait a second. And even though the difference in height and shape, whatever hit them was not... Like, they say that it was not a single uniform event. Oh. It was two different things. So. I'm getting all kicked <laughs> Yeah. They say that, that it was similar to that of a shockwave of a bomb. Um, and that Zolotarov, he could have lived longer than the 10 to 20 that Dubonina lived after her trauma, but it's unknown how exactly how long he probably lived after. So, Col- aliens. That's also a theory. <laughs> oh God. Um. So Kovatov was found wearing a sleeveless shirt, long sleeve shirt, sweater, fleece sweater, ski jacket that the left sleeve had a burn in it, and the right sleeve had several tears. His jacket was unbuttoned and unzipped, which is again odd for someone dying of in the cold. Yeah. Um. He was also wearing shorts, light pants ski pants and canvas pants no shoes but he had on woolen socks with that had some fire damage his right foot also had a light sock under the woolen one um his left foot had three light socks under the woolen and then the waistband of his sweater and the lower parts of his trouser were later tested radioactive as well but just the waistband of his sweater and the lower parts of his trousers I'm trying to wrap my head around <laughs> a logical, like, I'm, I'm not None a, of this is logical. Like, no, I know, I know, none of this sounds logical, but, like, I'm not a skeptic in any way whatsoever. Like, I believe a lot of the paranormal shit, but yeah. I also like trying to go at it in a debunking way yeah. first. Yeah, And, like, I can't think of anything besides super rare metals that they just so happen to run into that could possibly have there, some radioactivity. There is a pretty outlandish theory that... Time Lords? Tries, no. <laughs> I would believe Time Lords before this one theory that we'll get into here soon. We're almost to the end of their, um... To the end of this, and then we'll jump into theories. Okay. So, he had missing soft tissue around his eyes, 
His eyebrows were missing. His skull bone was exposed. The bridge of his nose was straight, but the cartilage was, like, soft and was, like, unusually mobile. Hmm. Um, the base of his nose was flattened with the nostrils compressed. Not necessarily meaning a broken nose, but most likely a broken nose. Yeah. He had an open wound behind his ear. He had a deformed, broken neck. He had diffuse bleeding in the underlying tissue of the left knee. The skin of his fingers and feet were soft and whitened, consistent with um, putrefaction in a wet environment, which makes sense because they were yeah covered in snow. covered in snow. Um, and they started; they weren't found until it started falling. So yeah, they were obviously getting a little warm. Yeah, overall, his skin had a gray green color with a tint of purple. His Ugh. injuries are possibly a result. <laughs> fine his injuries are possibly oh my words (laughs) possibly a result of a fight and could be the cause of death um but it also could have just been natural elements since he was exposed for three months um and he was also buried under like 13 feet of snow this snap neck and blow behind his ear is common signs of killing performed by special forces, but the autopsy didn't report didn't specify details, so it's not entirely clear how they got them. Oh, God. <laughs> One of her cats, like, knocks the thing over. I'm pretty sure it's Tom. We're gonna kill you two later. <laughs> We're just oh, my here God. In the dark of our apartment, just a thud. <laughs> yeah, we have... I turned off the lights in the rest of our apartment so it's just it's pretty dark it's a dark (laughs) void of a archway exiting our room and all of a sudden there's just a thud (laughs) okay all right all right that got my heart going i don't need my coffee now (laughs) (laughs) all right so last person so um nicolay I'm not going to go with his last name because he's got two last names. So we're going to call him Nikolay. He was also well-dressed. Him and Zolotrev may have both been, like, they think they both were outside when everybody fled the tent. Yeah. Because they were the most dressed out of everybody. And, like, they didn't have as many layers as everybody else of other people's clothes. Um, He was found wearing a canvas fur hat, a home-knitted wool hat, shirt, wool sweater that was inside out, sheepskin fur jacket, woolen gloves, underwear, sweatpants, cotton pants, ski pants, hand-knitted wool socks, felt boots. So his attire pretty much matched him. Yeah. 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 This was all his clothes. Um, he also had on two watches. Uh... That's not strange. I know plenty of people that do that for keeping track of multiple time zones. I don't. (laughs) But it was reported in the report, so I put it in. Um, Plus, I also thought it was weird, but, you know, maybe it's not, I guess. I mean, I know weird people, so... (laughs) We are weird people. Yeah. Um, So he had multiple fractures to the temporal bone that extended to the frontal forehead bones. Um, he had bruising on the upper left lip and hemorrhaging on the lower left forearm. The autopsy text said that he could have accidentally fallen on the rocks, but it also could have been him being, like, thrown or, like, dropped or, um, a strong wind gust that just knocked him against rocks or ice. 
Yeah. Um, or someone could have hit him in the head with a rock, but there also would have been more soft tissue damage and he didn't really have any. Um, he would have received a concussion from the blow and he would have been knocked unconscious and he would have shown some form of life for about two to three hours after his injuries before he died. So, theories as to what the fuck happened. Okay, let's... So, we have have quite a few theories. I'm only touching on a couple of them. I'm briefly, like, literally just saying what the theories are on a couple of them because there's just so many. And I'm, like, there's even more than what I have that I'm about to say. So, if you want to, like, jump into it, there's a website. I believe it's literally dietlovepass.com. Um... And I'll put the link in our Instagram, too, if you want to, like, go and, like, dive into this. Because after I initially heard about this case, that's what I did. I, like, was like, I need to look into this because I just, I'm so confused. But it also will make you more confused. So, um. Water? Yeah. Got weird hand gestures there. So, the first theory was... KGB agents. Uh, there's a book that suggests that some of the group were KGB on a mission to uncover a cell of CIA agents. And they were supposed to deliver radioactive samples and then take photographs of the Americans, but something went wrong and the CIA agents killed the group. Huh. I, I, I don't believe that one. I, like, I... I mean, I... <laughs> it's plausible. It's a plausible it's theory. It's during the Cold but like... War. But also, it's during the Cold War. So that's an easy tale to spin. Yeah. That is a, like like you said, plausible. It's plausible. I personally don't believe it. There's... Although I could, I could see the group being a little bit more into the government than what they are. Well, there was rumors of on. of them being part of like the um the youth communist tribe or or something, I don't know, communist group. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um there's also reports that they could have been killed after being mistaken for escaped prisoners from a nearby prison camp but there's also no reports of a prison break or any missing prisoners so like why would they be mistaken for yeah escape prisoners so and that seems like something that would be reported right away yeah um the theories are military tests special forces the local mancy tribe like fuck them up fuck them up for encroaching on our tribe hey Um, don't go there a bad shroom trip, because yeah. apparently there's shrooms that grow in that area, so it could be a bad shroom it's, trip. Okay, it, yeah, it's a bunch of engineering students. I can totally see a shroom trip <laughs> happening. Every engineer that I've talked to that was a little bit farther in their studies when I was going to ECPI for my e- uh, EET stuff, they all talked about shroom trips. <laughs> like, it's... That's... That's totally believable for me. Um, another theory was Yeti or a Wolverine. A w- Not the Wolverine, like a Wolverine, like the animal. Wolf- a Wolverine <laughs> cannot fucking do that. No. Yeah, a Wolverine's no. vicious, but a Wolverine like cannot that. take out yeah. nine people. 
Um, so, one of the photos from the developed cameras, um, that they had found in the tent, it's very blurry, so it's most likely just one of the members of the group, but it's an image that's commonly missed, like, people are like, it's a Yeti. Because <laughs> it's blurry, there's no defining features, and that will, I'll also post that on the, um, on our Instagram, but, like, here I'll show you hang on I'll show you babe I have it on my phone okay so you can uh, give a live reaction to this okay um (laughs) I yeah it's blurry it looks like pants yeah, it looks and like a, a person, shirt. Yeah, like... it looks like a person, but I can see what they mean. the The arms are super skinny, but the yeah. the legs it's and most... the top yeah. are two very different shades of gray. The um in this black and white photo. The website I did most of my research on, they said that um it was most likely one of the members of the group that went off to like use the bathroom and like come back and they were just like eh take a picture yeah <laughs> cause it was like they were having fun they were like snapping I've random, done that like, like random, random pictures, pictures. Yeah. yeah they and had so many random goofy photos I've gotten some where my face looked so stupid and distorted and some where it was like a very light hearted moment in like the grocery store with friends but my buddy captured the picture at the right moment to where it looked like I just came back from war. <laughs> I had like a thousand yeah. yard stare in this picture, and or, I, it looked like I wanted to end you. Or you could be mistaken for a yeti. Yes, I mean that's true for me. Well, yeah, you're very uh, hairy. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you have a beard. <laughs> All right, uh-huh, so that's what, you mean. We're, <laughs> what? Nothing. What did you say? I said, uh huh, that's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, next theory is an avalanche or like a snow slab. But again, I don't, it's not reported. There was, I don't see that literally, doing that type of damage. There was no evidence of an avalanche that night. There was no debris. There was no, like, th- yes, they were buried under snow and stuff, but that was because they were out there for a month before anybody found them. If, yeah, if it was an avalanche. They would have to have similar blunt trauma. Yeah. And this is the, like, official rule of, like, what happened was an avalanche. That's, that's bullshit. Yeah. I, that's, that's the I don't know I, answer. Yeah, I do not believe it. Because um, it's not an avalanche prone area. The mountain was not tall enough or steep enough. Um, and plus, in the hikers' diaries that they kept at the time, there was reports of just thin layer of snow so not even enough snow to like really cause that much damage to cause that much pressure and crushing of freaking chest cavities yeah um next theory ufo um as crazy as some like as crazy of a theory as it might be for some of you um one it's very it's becoming more plausible considering they just came out with the fact that you know aliens are real yeah um so, around the time of their deaths, the Soviet armed forces launched several rockets that they claimed uh, landed in the North Ural Mountains, but several geologists in the area saw some 
like glowing pulsating orbs flying in the direction of the um the dead mountain which is where they were on that day you said glowing orbs yeah um so someone named a man in charge of the investigation named lev ivanov was interviewed in 1990s and he made a statement that he noticed that the tops of the pines of the uh, the pine trees in the forest were burned at the tops just the tops he also claims that a member of the soviet congress made him take out any reference to unidentified flying objects or other strange phenomenon including pictures of flying spheres drawn by the mansi and the other testimonies he also ended up publishing an article where he admits in the spring of 1959 he withdrew key materials from the case that indicated that the cause was fireballs or a UFO. The There's also rumors that he said these things publicly just for money. Wait, fireballs caused what? Just ca- like the cause was f- f- fireballs. <laughs> Did they say like what type of burns were on the trees? No, yeah. just just that they were the burnt. tops of the trees were burned. Huh. Um. So that's one theory. Another one is secret launches. So the Soviet Union says that there were no rocket launches at the time, but also in literally the theory above is that they launched rockets. So I don't know where these theories are all coming from, but and I think there would be evidence of a rocket, rocket. launch. Yeah, but. Um, so locals said that there were rumors of Soviet training grounds near the accident, um, and legends of meeting with military paroles. There was, um, theories of holes in the side of the hillside that were sealed with concrete, and even sounds of a train coming from under the ground in the woods. A journalist says that this is something much more than just sloppy investigation, which this whole investigation was sloppy, like... The whole campsite where their tent was found was, like, trapezed all over. Like, they did really poorly on collecting evidence and, like, doing all... Like, it was just very poor investigation. Um, And that the group may have witnessed some secret uh, trials or experiments or something and then were taken out deliberately by the military forces. And then that the rescue operation was just a farce and that the whole thing was kind of staged to be confusing and get us like questioning what the fuck happened um so some other like more scientific reasons as to like what happened um news research has come out showing that it's possible that like a perfect storm could have hit that night and panicked them so much that they fled the tent and then fallen victim to the cold before they could realize exactly like kind of what was happening where they were um, and that it, they... That does not explain the pressure, it just, though. It, it will in a second. Oh. Um, there could have been a wind phenomenon that could produce a terrifying, powerful sound, which is known to induce irrational fear into humans. Under certain circumstances, there could have also been a more subtle and terrifying phenomenon known as infrasound, which is the literal opposite of ultrasound. It is a vibration... I've heard of that, yeah is a vibration through the air that has a frequency so low that it cannot be picked up by the human ear it could cause loss of sleep shortness of breath and extreme dead dead dread which i mean they had extreme dead um this combined with the horrible sounds of the wind along with the horrible pitch black night could have just unnerved them and like sent them off yeah and stuff which i guess 
no, didn't really do pressure. Um, but I think pressure comes into, huh? No. Um. Yeah, that. I don't know. Another one is catabatic winds. Um, like such strong wind forces that would make them leave the tent, and then the snow would bury the tent like it was. Like, and then they would go seek shelter. That's something that I could see for like why they would leave. Why they would leave, or, like, why they might have been scattered in the first place and, yeah. like, thrown about a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know some plane crashes, or some, yeah, some plane crashes were caused by just random normal storms, but they yeah. have these random bursts of immense down pressure yeah. that cause huge chunks of metal yeah. to just fall like stones. So... so like, in 2019, Russian, Russia opened up a new investigation into this whole thing. And then in July of this year, 2020, they came out and said it was hypothermia due to a combination of an avalanche forcing the group to leave their tent combined with low visibility. And that's the last that was heard on it, and that will probably be the last that will be heard on it. But I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy any of that. I don't either. Like bits and pieces of all the like some of the theories like work, but none of the theories are perfect to fit into like what happened. To Honestly, like cause I can the crushing pressure on some of them. As as ridiculous as it sounds, the fucking UFOs. Yeah, I mean like, it's possible with your imagination on that. That could explain the radiation. That could explain the pressure. Yeah from what they like recently released um if our audience wants to listen to another nice podcast joe rogan on his joe rogan experience podcast had on commander fravor um sorry if i'm pronouncing that wrong but he is one of the pilots that witnessed the tic tacs like aliens or ships that were videotaped and the way that these they describe that these things move is they manipulate gravity and like manipulate gravity around the craft and that if you think far-fetched like that and how possibility of an alien craft could move with like that type of gravity propulsion that could explain pressure if it was over someone and yeah something like that happened but that's that's obviously a far stretch yeah and there's much more detail into each of the theories online um i just gave the rundown of them because it's just it's a lot there's yeah. a lot and there's more theories there's more oh, speculation and definitely stuff. dive into more of those alien theories there's so much out there of people speculating and stuff because it's unsolved like well technically it's solved but not very many the people only thing buy that it. i couldn't explain for if we wanted to go like yeti kind of cryptid yeah route was the radiation yeah it's what? a radioactive yeti <laughs> <laughs> like so that makes me want to lean towards government or aliens yeah i definitely and think it's it... cold war time i can it's yeah as much as a like oh it's during the cold war type of yeah. excuse that's what the government wants you to believe yeah um 
that it was a a secret mission between the Americans and the Russians like it's it's so i guess far fetched but in the realm of possibility that yeah. it's it's All the of truth these, yeah. yeah yeah it's it's telling the truth to make it seem ridiculous and make it make people not believe it's i'm i'm leaning towards like the ufo or like rocket bomb things because there was bomb testing and stuff in that area yeah did they find any like shrap metal material not that they've come out with but it could have been covered up very true yeah because that's they've pushed away so much information and like even some of the autopsy reports some of them like don't go into as much detail as like other of them and so it's just like are they trying to cover up stuff or like why would and it's the same guy doing the autopsy, so why would he go into such in detail in one and in not one person? The other? Not, yeah, so it's that just can explain some like possible coercion. Yeah, and there's just so much. Plus, the military came out pretty soon after all this happened. So, like, who, who knows? Yeah. So, if you want to dive into it, go find that website. Um, there's forums out there. There's many other podcasts there's so many different uh documentaries and stuff um there's videos on youtube i watched a couple of them um some of them are in russian but they had english subtitles so um you're welcome to dive into that i want to know what everybody else thinks happened like what are your theories which one do you think is plausible Mm -hmm. um so hit us with what you think and let us know oh another to kind of, if you want a little bit more explanation on what fuckery I was talking about <laughs> with the alien propulsion, the it's another Joe Rogan one, but he had Bob Lazar and Jeremy Brenner, I believe, on his podcast. Um, and Bob Lazar is said to have worked on possibly some components of this type of propulsion. So it, it kind of goes in more in depth and that's, that's why I can kind of like wrap my head around yeah. it, the alien idea a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's that. <laughs> <laughs> You're now in the world of how I felt all week long. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to sleep now. Yeah. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Rate us, review us, send us messages. We would love to hear from you guys what you guys think of the podcast, what you think of this episode specifically, because it's fucked up. Yeah. Um, Give us suggestions for future episodes. We have one suggestion I'm doing next week from a friend of ours named Jimmy. Um, We also have another suggestion that we got today that we're going to do in a future episode, but that's going to be a little bit down the line because I really want to make sure that I do that one right. Yeah. Um, We will possibly be having a, like, phone interview with someone. Yeah, so we want to make sure that we do that one right. So we're going to... We're going to wait a little bit on that one. So give us some just suggestions for future episodes. Local, non-local, outlandish crazy scary weird kate like hit us with them um you can find us on instagram at murder library podcast you can find us on facebook at true crime library podcast or you can just search for murder library podcast and we should show up 
Um, you can also find our podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Podca- Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Um, hopefully here soon we'll be on Apple Podcasts, but for now you can find us there. Um, oh, and Anchor. Um, so thanks for listening and I cannot believe the amount of support we've been getting and the amount of like outpour from everybody so far. So it's great. We're glad that everybody likes it so far and Mm -hmm. uh, we can only get better from here. We're having a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. I love doing all the research. (laughs) (laughs) And y'all have a nice spooky night. Enjoy. Enjoy.